Welcome to Chit Chat Money. Today we have Sleepwell Capital on the show and we talk about U-Haul, which is a company I'm pretty sure most listeners are probably familiar with. Uh, probably well, we have an before. international audience, not to our own So yeah, We're global. Uh, if you're in the US and Canada, you know about the business, but yeah. What, uh, what highlights do you have from the interview? Yeah. So you described the unit economics of the self-storage pretty well. I was very surprised at what the margins of those could be at scale, but I guess it makes sense because of how minimal type of you know expenses you might have on those. Also describing the competitive advantages of U-Haul, how it might be tough for a competitor to come in and almost impossible for a competitor to come in unless they're acting really, really irrationally. Talk about the physical network effect of all these shops around the country. You'll get into it more deep, but yeah, that's, that's what I like the best. Yeah. It, it's, I, I found it fascinating how, what seems like such a I don't want to say a boring business because the interview is kind of exciting, but what seems like a boring or basic business can provide such good returns. Um, and so it's, it, and it has really good economics, which he talks about. Uh, but before we get to the interview, we want to talk about our friends at Quarter. They are the investor relations app in your pocket. Uh, it's really easy to listen to conference calls with them. They have it on iOS, Android. You can go ahead, you can look at presentations, you can listen to conference calls at 1.2 times speed if you're really smart. Or uh, what else do they have? Presentation materials, stuff like that. Um, you can add responses or reactions to conference calls. It's really, it's it's a concept that I really, really like as a consumer um, or as an investor. Um, and I use it frequently, pretty much every earnings season. If I want to get up to speed on companies, I use it as well. So go ahead, check it out. It's 100% free. They have companies from all over the world. It's Q-U-A-R-T-R, no E. So quarter, Q-U-A-R-T-R. Follow them on Twitter at quarter underscore app. And before last, last mentioned, before we get to the interview, uh, you can use our code chitchat for seven investing. You get $50 off your annual subscription. It's a holiday promo code. Limited time only. So yes. get it while you can. Less than a month left on this thing. So if you're thinking of subscribing to seven investing, fantastic service. Try it now. We'll give you a discount. Okay. Without further ado, here's our interview with Sleepwell Capital. Welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are also general partners at Arch Capital, and Arch Capital may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guests is not formal advice or recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. Welcome to Chit Chat Money. Today we are welcomed by Sleepwell Capital. Uh, I believe is this second or third time on the show? Second. Second. Okay, second yeah. time on the show. And today we're talking about U-Haul, which is a business I imagine a lot of people have heard of or experienced, especially I, I think if the especially if you're living in the U.S. Um, so I guess just right off the bat, what attracted you to U-Haul to begin with? Yeah, sure. And thanks for having me. Again, guys. So, one thing I've realized as I've kind of evolved as an as an investor is that I've I, I'm pretty attracted to the, those businesses where I use the products and, and services a lot. So, back in 2014, I was in an investor conference, and a hedge fund manager basically did a stock pitch of the of the company. And first of all, I had no idea it was a it was a public company, and we can talk a little bit about this uh, later. But basically, it's it's very under the, the radar. Um, and you know, as soon as I started hearing more about you know kind of him giving giving the pitch of the of the company, uh, I became really interested. So you know, I kind of just went back and, and started doing some work on it. And probably a month after that, I started buying shares and basically owned it since then. And do you want to provide a little bit of like? history about the company? So like how they came to be? I know they've been around for a while, if I remember reading that correctly. Yeah, yeah exactly. So it was founded in, in 1945 by a guy named Ellis Schoen. So he basically realized that there was no convenient way to move between one state and another one. I think he's, he wanted to move his family from like California to Seattle or something. And, and again, he was surprised that that it was such a hard thing to do. So he decided to start a company where he would build trailers to to rent them out, and he started making deals with um, you know gasoline stations and, and things like that, and, and the business started growing 
really exponentially in large part due to uh, the interstate highway system being kind of constructed across the, the, the United States. Um, so fast forward, you know, we're, we're basically 70 plus years after, after that. Uh, I will touch really quickly on some family drama that took place in the in the 80s and, and 90s uh, through the, the se- secession of of basically the, the founder to his son, who is now the, the current CEO. Um, I w- I'm not going to get too much into that because we could literally do another podcast on that. We could maybe link to the to the show. There's a very interesting Forbes article on that. So that, that could be that could be helpful. But yeah, basically today his, his son has been the CEO of the company. Um, since uh, since the 1980s, and uh, it's the biggest do-it-yourself moving company in the in, in the U.S. All right, and do you want to explain its you know, how the business works today and kind of the business model as a whole? Yeah, for sure. So it's actually quite an interesting you know organization because the actual name of the of the company is Americo, right? And it's it's really a holding company that has three businesses. The, the first business is, is the moving business. The second one is storage. And the third one is insurance, right? So the core business being moving, everybody knows and, and is familiar with, uh, with the, the, the orange trucks, right? Especially those that are based in the, in the U.S. and Canada because they don't, they don't operate out, outside this, uh, this, this geography, right? So they rent out uh, trucks and, ta- and, and trailers to anyone that, Kind of wants to save money and 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 move uh, by themselves. So if we look at the moving market uh, as a whole, anywhere from twelve to fourteen million households move on any given year. Anyone that's gone through this knows that there's basically two things that make moving uh, quite a particular experience. Right. The first is that it's extremely stressful, and the second one is that it tends to be expensive, especially if you want to kind of take some of that stress out from the from the experience. So where U-Haul comes in in their proposition is that they aim to solve both of these problems. The company's mission is to provide a better and better product and service to more and more people at a lower and lower cost. So one way to kind of think about this is that they try to be uh, the, the Costco of moving, right? So it's a scaled economy shared uh, business very much because they, uh, they want to be sharing the, the the savings that they can provide due to their scale um, and kind of give the best convenience and, and cost to anyone that wants uh, that wants to to move right so when you know like I have a, I had a lot of experience on this in, in college I'm sure you guys did too but anytime I, I wanted to move from you know from my dorm room to my to, to my new college house with with three friends uh, I rented out a, a u-haul truck and they were always uh, the ones that had the closest locations and the, and the most convenience products as well as the, the, the cheapest options, right? So on, on the do-it-yourself market, which is where they, where they play, they have roughly a 50% market share. And in, if you look at the US and, and Canada, it's roughly 22,000 uh, locations. Most of them are, are franchised and 180,000 trucks, right? Um, so that's that's the core that that's the core moving business, right? Uh, the other part is uh, is self storage. So these two businesses basically are very complementary to to each other because if you think about anyone that's that's moving or has self storage needs, it's very likely that you're either going to need a truck or or put your put your stuff somewhere, right? So for for the past couple decades, uh, this has been a strategy of theirs to Kind of offer both products in the in in the same place, and uh, this part of the business has been growing pretty pretty nicely. And by now, they're the third uh, largest player in the in the U.S. All right, and they have these other weird business lines. Um, do you want to explain those quickly? And do you think investors should follow those at all? Because I know it's such a small part of the business. Yeah, so that that's absolutely right, and. This is this is the insurance aspect of, of the company. One of one of the so it's they actually do life insurance and and property and casualty. Uh, the property and casualty part is is actually a, a really good business because they're essentially insuring uh, things like storage and and when you rent out the trucks, they give you the option to 
to to you know to pay for some insurance and and they they actually underwrite them themselves under under this part of the business. Uh, the life insurance part is is kind of you know it doesn't really belong there I'd say but um, but but it's been profitable as as, as well as as the as the PNC side so it's it's nothing that um, that I would worry about too much. I don't follow it as closely. It's it's a small part of the business, but it seems like uh, like the family wants to wants to keep that in there and. And uh, it's it, it's not again. It's not something that that I spend too much time on. Um, the only other things I'd mention in, in terms of like the different line items that, that go into there. There's 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 also a pretty good uh, sort of product and and retail business if you think about them selling you accessories and and boxes and things like that when you need to move. That's that's a pretty good business that they um, that that they have an offer on on their on their on the moving and storage side. Uh, and then there's a newer business uh, which is called uh, which is called Viewbox that that we can talk about as well, which is basically a container um, that if it gets delivered to your house, you pack your things up, someone picks it up and, and sends it over to wherever you need it to go. Okay, and yeah, let's let's move on to that first. What they've been talking about that I believe on the conference calls a bit. How big a part of the business is it, and what kind of growth do you think we could see from that Viewbox stuff? Does it go into a whole new market? Than just the traditional U-Haul uh, business. Yeah, so it's it's been growing it's been growing really nicely. Um, I, I believe the the most recent figure was was around um, around fifty percent. So it's obviously very very strong growth on on that side. Um, on an analyzed basis, it's is is probably going to do a couple hundred million this uh, this year. Um, it gets thrown into the kind of the other revenue uh, line item. So at some point they're going to have to break it out. And management has talked about this when it, when it breaches a 10% level, it's going to be basically a separate segment. Um, and uh, this is, I mean, it's pretty impressive and I'll, and I'll give some credit to, to management there because it's, it's a pretty recent business that has more recently started to show uh, on the, you know, kind of the earnings power and the and 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 the growth of the of the company. So it's it's been really nice to see that, as especially coming out of the of the pandemic. Just for context, how big is the business? Like, what's the market cap? Uh, and then, kind of, do you have any figures in terms of like valuation and maybe some of the economics of it? Yeah, for sure. So the market cap is is around fourteen billion uh, right now. The business. Uh, probably it will probably do, oh, yeah, like five, five and a half billion of, of total revenues this year. Uh, last year was 4.5. And um, yeah, so those are, those are actually, you know, those are kind of the, the, the big numbers. Um, I can, I can talk about valuation later on as we kind of just get into some of the other things, because I think it's important to, to understand and, and get a little more background on like their competitive advantages and things and things like that, right? Yeah. yeah, no, for sure. And yeah, we'll get into more kind of cash flow earnings and stuff like that on the second half, I believe. But to really give an overview, U-Haul has been a durable grower and they've been gaining market share, or at least they have the lead in the market, you know, the lead in the market for for them. What gives them that competitive advantage to sustain this market share or grow it? And why do you think it's so strong? Sorry, right. Also, to add to that, who are their competitors? Um, yeah, that they'd have an That's advantage true. over. Good point. All right. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, for sure. Let's let's talk about that. So, the biggest advantage that they have is the physical network effects, right? So, we talked about the the number of of locations and trucks that they have. If you think about their next biggest competitor, which is budget. Um, budget truck rental, right? Which is, it's part of the Avis group. Um, they have nine times as many trucks as they do and 25 times as many locations, right? So if you, for example, want to move from Marfa, Texas to El Paso, you're going to need a location as close as possible to those two points, right? Because you want the fastest way and the most convenient, as we talked about, this is already in itself a very stressful <laughs> experience, and you also want to pay the least, right? So, given U-Haul has built up this network for the past se- seventy-five or so years, 
Um, it's been incredibly hard for a competitor to to compete with this, and it just keeps getting stronger and stronger because they keep expanding their 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 physical presence and expanding the fleet. Um, so this again, this network effect is is a is a super strong moat um, that is that is very hard to replicate because of how capital intensive it has been to build up this uh, this physical presence. Um, the, so the second one I would say is the fact that they are extremely focused on the customer and providing um, sort of the low cost experience. So it's it's not only the fact that they're already the biggest and and, and have all this scale, there's the fact that uh, a smaller competitor just wouldn't be able to compete on passing on those savings to the, to the customer because it's just completely uneconomical, right? Um, and there's many examples of, of of this that we've that we've seen in the in in the past. If you compare rates to, you know, to to the competitors like Budget, and there's there's smaller some other ones like like Penske and and Ryder, but they're much more focused on the on the B two B side of the of the business. And if you if you look at Budget, actually, it's an interesting case study because they've been slowly retiring out of out of the business. They used to be much bigger um, a couple of years ago, but it was it's a it's a very tough business to to be in if you don't if you don't have um, the right size. So as a result, they've been sort of slowly stepping away from it and and being very strategic in terms of of the parts of the market that they're playing. And do you think the competitive advantage for I know some people have trouble understanding it. Do you think it's a similar one to a UPS or Amazon Logistics, where it just takes so many nodes across the country for it to make sense, and it can cost a lot less once you have that scale? Is that part of it, or is that only a small part of it? I think that the, the comparison to to UPS and, and and FedEx and and these shipping and logistics companies is 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 fair in the sense that the network is is super important. Where I think it's very different is that in in that in that mar- in those markets you have a lot of different players, and you have Amazon trying to base. You know, they're they they're already a pretty significant players and I would be I'm not an expert on that on that part of the business or anything but if, if I were to look into in, into that industry I'd, I'd be very concerned in terms of what Amazon is doing and spend some time in that uh, I don't think we see anything similar in in U-Haul's market um, as I explained talking about a little bit of, of the competitive of the competitive landscape interestingly a little bit of the of their business has been companies like Amazon and, and FedEx renting out their trucks when they don't have the capacity to to like they don't, they don't have their own trucks so they go out to U-Haul and, and rent them out that's a small part of the business but I I thought it'd be interesting to to mention that right and right now you mentioned that growth is going to be pretty strong from uh from last year and we've seen movie equipment rentals really growing quickly at least just right now what's driving that growth and do you think it's sustainable uh what type of growth I know it's very hard to predict, but kind of what type of growth do you think investors should expect over the next few years or a decade or something like that? Yeah. So COVID was definitely a kind of a blessing in disguise for for, for the company. Um, they're seeing, you know, demand through the roof for for all their 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 moving trucks as well as as, as storage. Um, the question of of how that's going to play out over the next few years, I, I think it's 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 obviously the million dollar question because as as we'll talk about in, in a bit, it 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 gets it's going to get into the the valuation question. Um, so the last quarter, the, the company reported you know top line growth of, of high twenty percent, right? So that's pretty incredible for 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 a company of. Uh, of, of that nature that, you know, typically grows at, at mid to high single digits. Right. Um, and they, they also saw a lot of, um, you know, incremental margins that, that drove profitability. The main drivers behind the growth of, of, you know, the past call it year and a half as, as we've, as we've been in, in this COVID environment um, has been people moving from you know what what they call out of town moves and if you look at the moving rate as a kind of as a as a percentage of the of the population it, it's interesting because it was actually down 
uh, last year. But what happened was that because U-Haul was sort of operating at, 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 at full scale for, for the entire time, the demand for their own products was, was actually up. And they, it, it feels to me like they've taken a lot of, of, of market share so far. And they were not only able to increase their own transactions, but they've been taking some pricing as well. The pricing comes from both kind of revenue per transactions, um, as well as the out-of-town moves that I was talking about. Because if, you, if you're moving, you know, I'm, I'm in Miami right now. Like if I rent a U-Haul and, I'm, and I move from, from Brickell to whatever, Key Biscayne, like that, that's going to be a lot cheaper than if I move from, you know, Miami to Tallahassee, right? Because it's, it's a much further distance. So during COVID, we saw a lot more of those moves. Uh, the out-of-town moves, which which tend to drive pricing a, a, a lot more, right? Um, so so those are those were the two big drivers. I think going forward, it's it's going to be interesting because the demand is we know is we know is there. Now I wouldn't be surprised if we see you know a, a drop in in revenues uh, next year, but I would still expect it to be probably close to what we what we saw last year, which was still a, a, a really good year. And what I think is, is interesting is if you, if you look at the long-term trend of, of the U.S. moving rate, it's been coming down for the longest time. And U-Haul, despite that, has been able to still grow their top line and kind of increase their transactions year by year. So if for any reason after COVID, we see some kind of, you know, sustained reshuffling of people moving between between cities and states and, and things like that u-haul is very likely to benefit greatly from that in the next in the next couple of years if we don't they've proven themselves that that even with a, with a decreasing mover rate they've been able to keep taking share and, and people just keep you know using their products more and more because as as, as we talked about they're the most convenient and, and cheapest option out there you mentioned briefly uh, the CEO. What are your thoughts on management overall? What do you, and what do you think of him? Yeah. So the way to think about this this company in terms of, of management is it's basically a family owned company that happens to be public. If if you read, I always tell people to read their their or listen to their earnings calls because they're one of the more kind of interesting and and transparent and he's really upfront about what's happening in the business and it, you know he's he, he doesn't he, he doesn't talk at all like the like like a public company CEO and so he's been he's been around since 1986 uh, I think he's done a, a great job of you know really defining the, the 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 mission of the of the business and focusing focusing it to the to, to where they should be focusing on um, you know, he thinks really long-term. He talks literally thinking 10 years out, like he'll, he'll, he'll talk about that a lot in, in the, you know, in the earnings calls and, and investor, investor events, et cetera. They're not giving out guidance. He's very under the radar. Um, you know, he's, he's very conscious about spending the company's money. Um, he stays in motels. So, you know, having followed him for, for, for a couple of years and kind of looking at, at how they, they operate, I'd say it's a very high quality management team. Uh, there's been, you know, there's been some, you know, we can call it volatility on sort of the quarter to quarter basis. And, 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 and sometimes I think certain investors get a little bit stressed out because, you know, there's a mismatch between their time horizon versus what they're, they're actually investing on and, and, and thinking about. Uh, so I just think it's very important to be cognizant of, of that fact that these guys don't really care about what they're going to make in the next year or two. Like they're really thinking out long-term and, and the business can, can, can see some, some, some noise in, in between. But, you know, if you, if you pull up a long-term stock chart um, for, for the past 20 years or whatever, you'll see that, that they've, they've been able to to execute and 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 provide some pretty handsome returns to to shareholders do they have high insider ownership 
Yeah, absolutely. So the, the family owns uh, around 40% of the, of the stock. Okay, and wow. they also have a, an employee stock ownership program um, that, that I don't have the exact number in front of me, but it's, it's a pretty decent, it's a pretty decent size as well. So the, the employees are, are pretty big owners of the company as well. And it's nice they do it. They don't do the stock options. If I'm correct, the share count has been pretty flat. They do. Uh, yeah, it's of, been super flat. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a, I don't know. It's a, it's a welcome site seeing just the flat chart. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny. You'll hear things like on the, on the conference calls, like, Hey, why don't you split the stock? It's, it's a $700 stock. Right. And, and I, I was reading a transcript last week and he quoted, uh, Mark Leonard from Constellation Software. He's like, oh, look at this other guy. His his stock is at is two thousand. Like, I think we can still we can still we have ways to go. And I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> but yeah, he's basically like, yeah, no, we don't we don't care about that. All right. Interesting. Okay, I have a bunch more questions, but before we uh, get to them, we're gonna hit a quick break. This episode is brought to you by KPMG. As a business leader, how can you innovate, build trust, and move forward in a digital era? KPMG can help by bringing together the right talent and technologies, generating insights that spark opportunities. To explore their thinking, visit read.kpmg.us slash opportunities. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Here you are, miles from home and ready to start your vacation. Good thing you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. They have free high-speed Wi-Fi to stream all your favorite movies. And in the morning, get fresh waffles with their free bright side breakfast. Or squeeze in a workout at their fitness center. Either way, you're ready to conquer the day. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you triumph. Book your stay at LQ.com. Okay, welcome back in. I guess before we get to some of the questions we sent over before, something that came to mind when you were talking earlier is that there is it seems like a very large company that owns a lot of the market. And so part of me thought like the seat, they, they might be somewhat saturated. Like, is there still room for growth within that, within the core moving business, or is it going to have to come from these ancillary products? Yeah, no, that's a very valid question for sure. I think there is definitely still growth on the, on, on the moving business. If, you know, long, long term, call it the last 10, 20 years, it's 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 a it's a business that that's grown um, at high single digits pretty consistently. One thing that management likes to point to is is the fact that every time they open up a new location, like the demand is there. That there, there there's rarely been any cases where they enter, you know, a new market, a new a new small town in 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 the in the middle of I don't know Nebraska or whatever, but they've they've given given out the the example multiple times that their constraints of on on growth is is really about uh, where they are located. So as long as they still see that, they're going to keep opening up new locations and expanding the fleet. Um, I I mean I gave out that that figure of of fifty percent market share on the do it yourself market, but I think you kind of have to take a step back as well and, and think um, about the broader moving market because there's also the moving the moving services company, right? Where you actually pay thousands of dollars to, to someone to help you move. So they're in some ways also competing with them because if they provide a good enough product that's convenient and, and, and pretty seamless, that's an option that people will, 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 will consider. They're, you know, they have, you mentioned ancillary products. I think it's it, it, it's interesting because I could actually I could actually move with a U-Haul um, without you know without it being as 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 stressful as as you would think. They have a network of moving helpers, for example, that um, has you know thousands of, of them across across the country so if you if you really d- just wanted to rent the truck and hire someone to to help you move you could do that and you'd still end up paying much less than you would if you were to hire a, a, an actual an actual moving company and then there's people that decide to kind of just move on their own and you know ask their cousin for their pickup truck and things like that and all of this is is to say that as long as they keep keep providing, you know, the best, cheapest and, and most convenient product, I think they're just going to keep taking, taking market share. 
Okay. And then another question I have, it seems like they're spending a lot of their operating cash flow on CapEx. So how do you go about valuing the business? Yeah, no, that's that's one of the most important questions when it when it comes to this to this business. So it's very much tied to what I was saying before in terms of of the of the of the family orientation and and how they how they think really long term, right? So their biggest growth avenues for the next decade are keep expanding the the moving business, right? So that's going to be new locations and expanding the fleet. And the second, which I would argue is the more interesting and likely being overlooked by the market um, is the storage opportunity, right? So self-storage is, if done right, is, is a very good business, right? Like, you would you would think and and the the common you know the, the the common thought is is that it's super commoditized right but when you have in the case of in the case of u-haul that you have a complementary product and at the same time you have you know years and years of experience operating in in in, in this market and you know really understanding the, the the differences on a localized basis of of how these uh, storage units get filled up. How much it costs to to build them, the return on investment, etc. Um, they've proven to be really um, adept at at you know expanding this this part of the business. It's growing basically at fifteen percent. More recently, with 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 COVID, it, it's actually growing above thirty percent. And most of their expansions are by not by buying self storage. Which is actually pretty expensive if you buy an existing unit, but they're basically either building storages from the ground up or converting units. So, for example, a couple of years ago, um, they did a, a deal with with Sears out of bankruptcy, and they bought um, I forget the exact number, but it was a couple of of big like uh, Sears stores or Kmart stores that they're converting to, to storage units. Now, obviously, this takes a longer time, but these guys know really well how these units are gonna operate and, and the occupancy rates that they that they can have in maturity and and thus the the ROI, right? So what's happening here is that they're seeing these opportunities um, again, thinking really in the next five to 10 years, and they're taking all their operating cash flow um, and reinvesting it back in the business. And that's how you can, you know, sustain the really attractive growth rates that I think the company can have uh, for the very long term. It, I'm, I'm just looking at it now and it looks like they have 40% free cash flow margins, which was much higher oh, than I would have thought initially. Operating? operating cash flow margin, yeah. sorry. Um, what are their what are their primary costs? What are, what are the input costs? So cost of goods sold, what does that mostly consist of? Yeah, so there is, you know, on the on the operating expense side the, the the biggest one is basically the the personnel and, and and labor costs and uh and maintenance right because these these trucks obviously get used up a lot and um and they need they need to be kept at a at a certain at a certain standard okay so there's there's that part you have obviously a big depreciation expense um as as well from from the fleet and the and and the storage units, um, you have commissions that you're paying out to to the um, to, to the franchisees that that operate the the, the locations, um, and yeah, so they, those are those are basically the, the the biggest the biggest costs in terms of of the the forty percent margin that that you quoted that that was it was it was a very you know particular year. In the in the sense that they're you know they were they were over over earning and you know if you there's you know there's all these different kind of moving parts that that went into that but um, and we can we can get into this when we when we talk a little bit more about uh, about valuation but from a from a free cash flow basis well because the other thing is that the, the that operating the operating cash flow is is net of, of depreciation. Sorry, gross of depreciation. So you'd you'd have to 
you know, sort of account for that on the on the on the maintenance capex side. That's why it it looks it, it it looks pretty pretty high. But either way, during during COVID, they were they were over over earning um, on 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 that sense um, because of what we kind of what we talked about in 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 terms of you know the demand of of their products, et cetera. Okay, and just kind of pinpoint it down with a company that requires so much capital expenditures. Uh, the great thing about that is it makes it a lot simpler to get a return on invested capital number out there. What, you know, how do you estimate kind of return on invested capital for this business and how important is it for the investment to go well over the long term? Yeah. So because of, of the fact that as we talked about the, most of the, of the free cash flow is, is being reinvested into the business for, for, for growth reasons, there's, you know, I I like to think of it in in terms of what would the business look sort of on a on a steady state, right? So, if if we make those adjustments and kind of take out the the growth investments that we know are being made on the on the self storage side and and the and expanding the fleet, um, ROIC is is probably somewhere around twelve percent. So. I wouldn't call that number, you know, sensational, but I would argue it's actually quite decent. And for a couple of reasons, the first one is that, first of all, I'm, I'm, I'd be very confident on that number holding, either either staying at, at those levels or or increasing um, over over the long term. Um, so that that makes me, you know, very comfortable to hold a, a company like this. Um, for during during that time frame, the other part, which is important, is that th- this business supports leverage. So, as an equity holder, you're getting the benefit of of that leverage. And if you look at uh, their returns on equity, kind of over a full cycle, it's somewhere around seventeen to eighteen percent. So, uh, it's it's a I'd, I'd say it's it's a very you know good result as a as a shareholder if they're able to main, maintain that over 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 the long term yeah especially with that runway for reinvestment i mean that's the big question is how much exactly is there and it looks like so you're not yeah you're not you're not seeing that at the moment and i don't expect management to to return um any of that cash they they, i mean they have a special dividend that they pay out sometimes but it's 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 pretty symbolic like it's it's nothing it's it's very small so to me the bet here is is you know it's a duration bet essentially i'm i'm okay waiting for management to do its thing and and i have the the confidence and and disability of of for them to keep executing and and generating these returns and down the line where you know when they reach the point where they want to slow down some of these investments and maybe they've feel like they've reached maturity and in, in certain parts of the moving market or, or storage, we kind of know what the business is going to look like by then. And it's, it's just going to be a, a, a cash flow machine. Right. And uh, self-storage is such a big growth opportunity for them. It's probably the fastest growing uh, segment, at least correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, what sort of unit economics does self-storage have? Is it have different margins than this moving business? I mean, what should investors expect with that as it matures? Yeah, so very important question. In in, in this fiscal year, self storage is is probably going to make um, between six hundred to six hundred and fifty million dollars. Um, it's growing is growing very nicely, as I said, above um, above thirty percent. That's basically going to be, you know, more than than ten percent of the business. At this at this point, but I think what's most important is it's very important to to recognize that because the the way that they're expanding into this business and they're buying you know ground they're buying conversion co- units that they're converting and also kind of building on the on the ground up. There's a lot of costs that come online uh, on day one that are you're not really ge- generating any revenue, and you might have to wait. Um, sometimes two as much as three years for them to to start up operating the store and, and and filling up and filling up the units, right? So there's there's a big drag in that business as they they keep expanding. 
um, the the returns that they target on 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 that part of the business are north of of ten percent. But in, again, there's a very important debt component to this because it's a super predictable business. This is not this is not like moving that it's it's going to be a lot more bumpy, right? Like as soon as you have a, a, one of these storage um, facilities operating at 90, 95% occupancy, like it's a, it's great business. And at maturity, uh, we know that they have a very similar margin profile than some of these big competitors like public storage and, and extra space. So the, the operating margins here are somewhere between 60 to 70%. Wow. It's a, it's a, it's a cash flow machine basically. That's wow. That that number definitely surprised me. I was, I was thinking in my head, I was trying to predict it like what is it, 20, <laughs> yeah. 25. I mean, look at, Look! Look at some of these companies. Um, PSA is is the biggest one. They they trade at like I think it's like twelve, maybe even more uh, times revenues. Really, because wow. they make so much money. We've we've kind of talked about. Uh, I guess we talked about it more in the first half, but we talked about their physical network effect a little bit, um, and how that kind of gives them a competitive advantage. How hard would it be for a competitor? to disrupt U-Haul? Well, I think it will be incredibly hard. And for anyone to kind of consider doing something like this would be pretty irrational from, from their part. Like I can't, I can't really envision any other company that would have the capacity to suffer through, through some of this with such an uncertain outcome, right? Um, it's, it's just, yeah, it's just really, really hard for me to, 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 to foresee. If we look back at, I think it was in the nineties when some of these competitors were, were actually more, more, more aggressive and, and, and present that we were, that we were talking about, um, with, when the market had, you know, three or four players, the returns were just not as, not, not as good. Now, U-Haul was able to sort of win that battle. And as we've seen, um, the three main competitors have basically re retrenched. So Ryder and Pensk are basically now focused on, on B2B and the commercial business. And, and, as, we, and as we talked about, um, budget has been sort of reducing their fleet on, the, on, on this part of the business as well. So I think that's one of their, their, their biggest modes. And in some ways, it's another reason why I think the ROIC being, you know, kind of the, in the in the ten to twelve percent range, um, that's probably the right level in my mind. Because if if they were able to do kind of twenty percent plus, that would probably uh, make some competitors kind of be more interested in the in in the business. So I think it's kind of in that sweet spot where they make uh, a very decent uh, return on the on on their on their investment and on their equity. But at the same time, it's it's hard enough for a, for a competitor to consider getting into in, into this market, right? Is, and oh, go ahead, Ryan. The, this is kind of a random question, but is their performance tied, I guess, to the housing market at all? I'm just kind of thinking about people moving and self storage. Or is that not something you've looked at, or maybe it doesn't matter? Yeah, the 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 the, the big metric that I mentioned is is the moving rate. Um, so I think there's, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure exactly about, uh, about the, the, the housing market. Um, I think, I mean, they, they, they lost some money on, on the, on the great recession, but it, it wasn't anything, it wasn't any, anything concerning. Um, and they got, you know, they, they, they recovered pretty, pretty nicely the, the years after that. Um, but yeah, the, the more relevant metric is, is really the amount of, of households that are moving on on any given year because that would just give them more and more opportunities to serve to serve more clients right um yeah all right okay. well last question let's wrap things up with thoughts about valuation and anything that could go wrong with u-haul investment yeah for sure so look as i as i mentioned this this year given that it's it's been kind of a, a perfect year for them in, 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 in so many ways with the, the amount of, of, of people moving across cities and, and the demand for, for their, for all their products, in, including self-storage. Um, they're gonna, they're, they're gonna make a lot of money. Um, 
it's it's probably going to be you know it it forty forty five dollars per share or, or or something like that. Um, so the way that I think about this going forward, so a, a more normalized year, assuming next year, um, I think it's probably trading at at twenty times uh, earnings. And I'm again I'm using those numbers because because this year is is going to be just a, an, an incredible year for them, right? So if if I assume they're trading at at uh, at twenty times uh, earnings for for the next year, I'm pretty confident they can grow earnings for a very long time in in the low double digits. Um, so and the way I get to that is is basically you know kind of mid to high single digit growth and and uh, sort of a, a normalized EBIT margin going forward that is 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 going to be call it in the in the 25 plus percent um, percent range now that's close to what what they where they were last year which was also a, a good year but remember you have to take into account the fact that that self-storage is, is growing very nicely and those dollars are going to be coming in at a much at a much higher rate so um, I do think and I want to stress this out again the way to think about th- this company is 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 really kind of five plus years. Uh, down the line, and you know, at that at at that multiple, I'm I'm pretty comfortable um, holding the investment, uh, knowing you know just kind of the track record of of the of the, of the management team and and the visibility and, and confidence that I have on the on on the business going forward. Now, you know, I'd say it's it's ra- around these levels. It's it's pretty it's kind of close to what I would call fair value. Um, you know. You, Probably do a in a five year, you know, 10 percent plus IRR from here. Um, but this used to be much cheaper, you know, earlier earlier this year. And I was and and you know, I I was talking about it um, back back then. That the good news is, you know, for anyone that um, that wants that that's been looking at it is I I'd say it's a it's a pretty volatile stock. Like we know there's there's noise on on a lot of these numbers as I. As I explained, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if if it you know if at any point in time it 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 goes through through another another sell, um, but that's that that's kind of where I'm where I'm at in the in, in the valuation um, at this this point. What do you think could make this a bad investment? What are, what are some of the biggest concerns or risks? Yeah. Oh, and I'll mention one more thing before before going on onto the risk, but the. The other part that's worth keeping in in mind is that I think there's a very interesting embedded option here. If if we do see a, a prolonged period of of the moving rate kind of reversing and 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 people really, you know, moving across uh, across cities with you know the post pandemic world and maybe things like remote work um, staying and being more more normal. So that will be a huge benefit. Um, to them, because as I, as I explained, for a really long time, this moving rate has been coming down, and they've still been able um, to grow pretty nicely. So, if if that does reverse, um, I mean, that would be uh, very beneficial to to all their businesses. Um, so that's that's also I think relevant to to keep in mind. In terms of of you know the the biggest risk and and what what could go wrong here, you know, we we talked about competition. It's it's obviously important to you know always pay attention to that and and you always want to be on the lookout for any sort of <laughs> irrational player with with tons of money and and entering the market um uh, i mean i wouldn't i i, I wouldn't say the, the the probability of 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 that is is i mean it's it's not zero right like we i i said it would be <clears throat> incredibly stupid for anyone to try but that doesn't mean i mean we've we've seen crazier things out there right so that's that's definitely something to 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 keep in in mind i think that similar thoughts apply to um to, to the self storage space because it's it's obviously a very uh fragmented space and 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 we'll see you know for now things have been working uh, really well on, on on that part of the business but again if we see more you know more more investment dollars flowing into that and it starts to get more competitive to to build these these new properties, et cetera, it it, it it's gonna be it's gonna be harder for them to 
to to make those returns there. So those are, you know, kind of competition on those two parts, the, the moving and the storage side, is it's important to to keep track um, to keep track of that. Um, I've had people ask me about sort of the autonomous car uh, being 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 a risk. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's definitely an interesting question. I mean, personally, at first, I think this is further down the line than, than most people realize. But I would say that if anything, it's probably an opportunity for them more than a than a risk because you you probably would still need some sort of of network of of of, of you know of, of facilities to kind of manage this whole fleet. So they're they're kind of doing this already in many ways. And and they've been, you know, they've they've been pretty decent at adapting to to newer technologies. Like you can in in most of their rental trucks nowadays you can you can do like contactless uh, rentals and you just use your phone and and literally get to the truck and and unlock the unlock the truck with you, with your phone without ever having to talk to an agent. So, you know, things like that. And, and I talked about the, the, the U box, which is the, the, the container opportunity that they've, that they've been working on. So they've, I think they, they, they seem pretty cognizant of, of the risks that are, that are out there that the CEO always talks about competition as well. So it's, it will be something that if, if at any point uh, becomes um, a concern for them, or they're starting to see, um, you know, big moves in that in that part of the market. I, I would think they react to that pretty quickly. All right, one last question: um, Are all their uh, locations franchised out, or are some of them owned? No, they own. I think it's <clears throat> between two thousand and three thousand of them are are company owned, and they have twenty two thousand in total. Okay. All yeah. right. Um, I think that's all the questions we have uh, for listeners that want to. Uh, keep up with you. Where's the best place? Yeah, so my my Twitter always available to to chat over over DMs uh, at sleepwellcap. Uh, I also have a, a Substack, uh, sleepwell.substack.com. I wrote a piece on on U-Haul back in June, so if you want to take a look at that as as well, we can we can link to that. Right, All right and perfect. good stuff on uh, the audio industry. Yeah, labels. Thank you. Recent one on <laughs> audiobooks, or a recent one inspired by Spotify's yeah, yeah, acquisition yeah. of the, the audiobook one. I like that one as well. Yeah, we can do the next, uh, the third podcast. We can can do something audio related. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Perfect. All right, we want to remind our listeners that Brett and I are not financial advisors. Anything we say or discuss here on Chit Chat Money is not formal advice or recommendation. We are, however, general partners at Arch Capital, so clients may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. 